So, uh, on one side we have uh, our present experience of life with the ego self, through the ego self, with reason as the instrument, reason dependent on the senses and therefore we experience life in a certain way and we respond in a certain way. But on the other side, there is the discovery of that which is the essence of all things, which is Brahman, the reality, call it by whatever names. So how is this gap to be bridged? How are we to arrive from this state where we are to Brahman which is all exceeding, all in the heart of everything? So uh, here again, these are the initial chapters where Shurabindu is just touching a note here and a note there. It is not the symphony will develop in the last six chapters. So, so, but in this chapter, he gives us a hint about the methods of Vedantic knowledge. How did people arrive at this? What did the sages do? Is there an instrument within us with which we can arrive at this truth? One thing we know that on the surfaces, and if we remain subject to the sense mind, and whatever it is showing to us, then we are imprisoned. We cannot arrive at the deeper truth. If we remain tied to the surfaces, if we believe in the surfaces, if we take the surfaces alone to be real, we cannot arrive at the deeper truth. This is the first fundamental thing. So from there, if our flight has to take off, how do we take off? So we have one instrument which is called reason which we are in a hurry to drop. So, reason itself allows us to start the process. And what is that process? So, reason, if we see closely, has two movements. One where it is completely dependent on the senses. This is one kind of reason, which we today call as evidence. Evidence meaning thereby what we see outwardly. But this is so faulty. For example, in the field of medicine, I often say this, use this as an example, that there is a medicine you give and the person recovers. Now, this is the evidence, but what we have not seen, which senses cannot show us, is the inner state, the faith, the will to live, so many other factors, the physician state, color of the tablet, placebo effect, all this, the reason, senses do not give us the data. So, there is a surface reason which is completely bound to the senses, which it calls evidence. But there is another movement of the reason, this is called as mixed action. That movement is pure reason which has two uh, methods. One is it looks at the surface, but then it uses this surface data as a springboard to feel something which is behind, which is not uh, seen and yet which is as if as if evident to take number of examples take for example and this is always uh, made one marvel how do animals find their way we can't do it with GPS how do they find their way how do they navigate this navigation of birds of fishes is an amazing thing not only that we take it for granted as a doctor there is a cut and there is uh, white blood cells and different, they go there, they arrest. What a consciousness that is working inside. Another, just to give a proportion, we use a medicine as a psychiatrist, we use many medicines, 
let's say we use a medicine lorazepam, Larpose or Ativan, it induces little tranquility and calming medicine, then one can sleep. But the beauty is this medicine has to work on certain specific receptors. Now when you do the research, it's okay. You see that this medicine acts on the receptor. You are taking it orally. Look at the blindness of the process. How much? One milligram. In a 70 kilogram man. This one milligram medicine, look at its adventure. If one could trace the journey. Will go through the stomach absorbed in the blood from where it will go through the liver or the kidneys and then it will ultimately walk through all the different blood vessels to the heart and be pumped and reach that spot bang on. It's a mystery. We really don't know exactly. We know that it does and it will do its work and with what is certainty. Now when we look at this, when we look at the way animals instinctively move when they preserve their own balance, how they multiply when these species dwindling like tiger and the deer, how the deer found a way, they started multiplying when their tigers were uh, preying up predators and when we observe this, it's a whole world, plenty of examples I have to share on this. Plants, how they exactly, there is a plant a tree, I am forgetting now, the name, but all plants, this story was, this example was fascinating. When it is sending the roots down and it encounters a uh, rocky material. So what does it do? So it, it waits. It will look as if it is waiting. If you see for some time it looks like it is doing nothing. But after some time you will see that the root is beginning to pierce through the rock. Now what happens is <laughs> that the signals are sent through the rocks to something in the plant. And the plant manufactures a chemical which will dissolve that drop, drop by drop, drop by drop. It will start dissolving. After three years, it has found its way. What is this engineering? We are the only fellows who have the penchant for getting lost and not finding our way. And yet, there is the all-wise guidance that even when we lose our way, we find our way because there is a guidance in life just to take this little story that there is a guidance when you look at surface you see this is the other way reason operate when you look at it you discover there is something which you can't sense and yet it is there it is intangibly tangible so this is a story which is deeply touching first hand story of a um, father whose child he was thrown out of the school and he went into drugs and all this. At 40s, he developed cancer and uh, father came to know. Obviously, he had become like a recluse and nobody really... Because it was very painful to see him. And when he was on the deathbed, he ultimately found his way in some drug rehab home. And father came to know. Poor father, he went to visit him with all pain in the heart, you know. And then when he held the hand, the boy says something very interesting. He said, I know you are very unhappy with me and, you know, yes. But I want to tell you only two things. What are two things? Is it first when I went out of the school or was sent away from the school, you know, you remember mother had called me? Yes. She told me only two things. What were the two things? Mother loves you. <laughs> and whenever you remember, you should know that I am with you. Now this, what she had seen or foreseen, 
how this child when he heard this he said now i don't need to do anything else and another story which we all have seen right here and i have seen number of these instances there was this lady who used to do chat parikrama of golkon move around completely disabled totally crazy she had some strange powers also she could hold hand and see but totally we don't know she she was a homeless lady but somehow every day she was taken care of all that she used to carry and i believe she came from a good family i believe she had done i don't know all these details with her, but i am told she did done medicine or anatomy or something she lost her head and then she used to just carry a big photograph of the mother with her <laughs> among her treasure and i used to feel oh, maa ka photo hai iska kya halat hai lekin see somebody would give her foods she would also take a bath later on somebody gave money and i every ways but she was in that state so much so that once when she was dying on the pavement she was having seizures and i was passing by and i saw her and i said this is this lady but looks the way she is uh, having the fits probably she has been you know uh, probably rabies this thought because she was trying to water she was trying and she was looking at picture of mother it was like that and her face was turned in constantly in convulsions so now what to do you are not supposed to go near a rabies patient but now you know mother so then auto rickshaw comes and then you know couple of us put her in the auto rickshaw she went Uh, all the post mortem formality then when i am going there now normally you know some relative somebody nobody knows anyone and as i am going through the road bimal dai had seen me go uh, so suddenly said with a sweet childlike voice say <laughs> very sweet thin voice i look uh, this lady you know her i say i don't know uh, we are looking for some relative i know now she was standing at the door god knows why she gives me the email address i sent them an email that this is how it is so you want to come nobody they disowned her for a long time then we requested to dilipda he was very kind we said can she get an ashram funeral because you know she has uh, lived with mother in her hands he agreed ultimately this lady got uh, an ashram funeral now you see if you look at this outwardly we can say chance coincidence but deep within there is a guidance in life how that guidance operates this is just one case but there plant in life it operates how that operates we don't know and this is the beauty of life so there is this reason which feels pure reason which has the sense data the sense data is about her outer life but it feels there is something now if you ask me did you see the mother standing there no i didn't now in the, this particular instance but everything indicates there is a third aspect of reason which is its highest possibility it uses the sense data only as an excuse to see what is inside so you are sitting before someone and if you don't try to judge by appearances gora hai kala hai uncha hai neecha hai then after some time one passes behind appearances and some inner truths begin to reveal so here also it starts with sense so we see that there are three Uh, ways in which reason works one is completely subjugated to the sense where we see the outer acts outer person and we deduce our or outer event circumstances then we deduce our inferences second is when we see the outer data but something is show, trying to show us see i am there see i am there like shurabinda in the alipur jail feeling that shri krishna is there and in his lap he is sitting that's how he describes 
I am there, I am there. But where, we don't know. Third is where the outer appearance is. Again, Sri when he looks at the tree, the tree is no more the tree, but an excuse to see Vasudev. How does he see? With his arms spread over. It is the tree, which now the excuse is with its arms spread over. He looks at the sentry, and the sentry is no else but Vasudev. Just imagine, you see Krishna guarding your jail. You say, jail achi hai. <laughs> like Tulsi Das, he saw Ram and Lakshman, some thieves came to steal and uh, they ran away next. They came, whom have you employed? That time there was no Z, Z or Z plus security. But people lived in supreme security. <laughs> and uh, He said, why? What happened? He said, actually we came to steal and we saw two young Dhanurdhars who were standing. Their tej was such that we ran away. <laughs> this is a true story, documented. Lord is guarding their place and they can't imagine that who has this saint-like fellow employed? <laughs> he thought they are somebody employed. So there is a, the outer event or the outer image becomes an excuse to look behind. And this is something which India has used to its perfection. That's why we, uh, you know, uh, as somebody today I was hearing something very beautiful of course earlier sir. You can destroy temple, you can destroy gods, but what all can you destroy? We worship the water, can you destroy? We worship the sun, can you destroy? We worship the earth, can you destroy? We worship the sky, can you destroy? You can't destroy. Because it is that vision of the divine behind everything. True, we don't, we have lost that vision like Dumatsina and yet we can reclaim. Now when reason arrives at this level, then it upgrades itself into intuition. And intuition also has this twofold working. One is when there is intuition, there is reason also. And like any new faculty, reason says, Lag raya, but no, how can this be? So, intuition is subordinate to reason. After some time, something in us begins to see. Sahita Vaita jo chupa hua tha, was prompting, prompting me, how did I miss it? Then slowly there is intuition and reason. So every intuition must be seen. It, it formulates itself in the form of a rational understanding. It's not exactly logic as we understand it. But it's like a truth is seen and then logic automatically misses, fills in the missing links. And the third is when intuition stands in its own light and regardless of what is on the surface, it says doesn't matter. This is true. Yan mansana manute yenahur manomatan tadeva brahmantam vidhi nedam yadidam upasate. That that which the mind cannot know, but that by which the mind itself is known, know that to be the Brahman and not this that men seek hereafter. So the Vedic Rishis had the courage to go through this process. They did not stop at first appearances. They went through, they used their reason to the utmost. Then through a process of expanding their subjective capacity, subjective senses, widening, enlarging, deepening, they started playing with their inner consciousness. Till finally they touched that of which nothing can be said in human speech. So this is what this chapter reveals. It, it just gives us a hint of the Vedantic Rishis, how they arrived at this formula. To make it clear for all of us who are logical animals, that it was not that they suddenly woke up one day and said, oh, there is Brahman, 
it is not like they have arrived at it systematically and we too can arrive at it of course later on he gives many paths and doors but right now because initial chapters of the um, the life divine part 1 when he is writing he is basically developing on the vedantic background so we see here this chapter 8 the methods of vedantic knowledge the secret self in all beings is not apparent kathopanishad one of the very beautiful upanishad in the form of a story or a dialogue between yama and nachiketa i am just holding my temptation of getting into that story it is so fascinating because nachiketa wants to know tell me the secret of immortality okay that little bit is important and yama says why do you want to know gods also don't know it no no you tell me after dying will i live or some say something in me will survive some say not you are the right person because he is the god of death yama you tell me i'll so he says okay and then he says well i'll give you the secret but why do you want all this i'll give you a lot of hathi goda palace everything he says you keep all that because why no you will give today but tomorrow you will take away ah i'll take away because these are gifts of time in the line in savitri there is a need within the soul of man and all is too little that the world can give its powers and knowledge are the gifts of time and cannot fill the spirit sacred thirst so nachiketa to pakka adamant bachcha hai nahi i want only that so i don't want this uh, this rasgulla without the ras i want the rasgulla and the ras so he says okay fine then he says you have chosen wisely instead of choosing prayas you have chosen shreyas prayas is temporary good shreyas is the permanent the eternal so this is from the katopanishad yama is telling nachiketa this secret self in all beings is not apparent but it is seen by means of the supreme reason the subtle by those who have the subtle vision so one is reason and the other is vision so this is how this process and i'll just read a few passages one is he speaks about certain faculties which develop when we begin to go beyond this world when we are not no more lost in this world of appearances we begin to you know idea begins to live in an ideative world the imagination begins to strive upward so this is one of the ways and he speaks about the double action of reason and uh, well okay this is very everything is beautiful but we are just making a selection page 67 the last paragraph the complete use okay just a little bit before that to correct the errors of the sense mind by the use of reason is one of the most valuable powers developed by man and the chief cause of his superiority among terrestrial beings correct the data of the senses what you are seeing is not necessarily true so the reason must learn to wait and then it will begin to see how to that's why sometimes people say that time will tell for things which are held within begin to emerge 
So the one of the uses of reason is it goes beyond the sense data and this is what makes us superior. The complete use of pure reason brings us finally from physical to metaphysical knowledge but the concepts of metaphysical knowledge do not in themselves fully satisfy the demand of our integral being. They are indeed entirely satisfactory to the pure reason itself because they are the very stuff of its own existence. But our nature sees things through two eyes always. So one is the idealistic eye. Through thought we can conceive of Brahman as the ultimate reality. And some people are very happy with that metaphysical knowledge. And they write what is Brahman. They write everything about Brahman. Then you ask them, Bhaiya, thoda anbhav to kiya hoga? Nay, nay. Oh, sir, that is very difficult to experience Brahman. So you can never know with certainty. That's why one eye is the ideal, idealizing reason. It can conceive that there is a greater reality, a vaster reality. Simply looking at the universe and meditating at it. When we look at this galaxy, there used to be a man in our college, FMC, who was, people thought he has lost his mind. It looked like that and he was kept on failing. People used to say, no, he is a little crazy. I still remember some harak something named Sardarji. So one day, couple of us dared to go and ask him, uh, what, what do you do? You sit and just you are staring in space. <laughs> we are all ready. We don't know him. We, if he gets angry or violent, we will rush away, run away from there. <laughs> it was night time. And he says, Atte dek. He told us, look at the stars. He started looking, not knowing what. One eye is keeping track of what. He is saying, what do you see? He said, the stars. So, he is saying in Punjabi. They have come just like that. He said, that is true. They have not come just like that. And then he just said another two words. See that, in Punjabi. And then he became quiet. But what a hint. Look at the stars. Can one imagine that all this has come casually? He remained till I cleared MBBS. He was still in the final year. It didn't matter to him. People called him mad. But I think here was a wise man. But because he jumped the stage, he lost his mind in confusion. That's what we read just now. That uh, the knowers do not. And yet Shivata says some people take that leap. And they pay the price of losing their bearings on the material world. They take the leap. But in Shobindu's yoga, it is an integral evolution. So one, when we look at this world, this universe, can we say that all this is dust which has become stardust? Somehow, amazing play of light and sounds and colors and riot of every sense. So he says that um, there is this double eye, two eyes in us. For it views them doubly as idea and as fact and therefore every concept is incomplete for us and to a part of our nature almost unreal until it becomes an experience. So this is what is important that while it is alright for the mind to conceive and it is important because this is the first step in many people. Because then we understand then when we have the experience. Sometimes when the experience comes and the reason is not developed, it can also create confusion. So the Vedantic Rishis, seers went through that. 
and then shubhendra says they are in their nature beyond the perception of the senses but seizable by the perception of the reason therefore some other faculty of experience is necessary by which the demand of a nature can be fulfilled and this can only come since we are dealing with the supraphysical by an extension of the of psychological experience so that's why one is the objective so called through the senses we are trying to find the divine and we are using reason but reason something is there you know but you miss it i felt something i heard a sound like the anklets of radha or the flute from a distance but there is another way which is about psychological self extension this is easier how does it come peace so when we go we sit and we experience peace now peace is not immediately felt by the senses it's felt by some immaterial sense how we go there and we feel mother's presence how does one feel it with which sense sense can tell us that you know oh, looks like mother's hand just touched here it can give us the smell of shirobindo nearby with the lotus fragrance but the sense of peace sense of wideness psychological being suddenly one feels wide one feels strong inside in the face of adversity one feels fearless this is one of the definitions of brahman nirbhayo that's how the great uh, six scriptures say and there in our scripture nirbhaya when you touch that fear vanishes now it's a psychological experience you don't know how why somebody else cannot even understand but fear vanishes nirbhay so there are psychological states and they were courageous enough to explore it and not simply say no 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 these are all uh, happening inside an inner joy which is causeless unconditional even in the face of adverse circumstances a faith that defies defeat an aspiration which mounts like the burning cone of fire dissolving every obstacle where does all this come from so it is through extension of our psychological consciousness so senses supraphysical senses reason reason which goes further beyond the first data and psychological states which we don't bother at all to understand or give any importance to uh, we have because we have little time to stand and stare so then he says in a sense all experience at its bottom is psychological at its bottom is subjective it's so true same physical data one species of animal sees it very differently all experience when rama walks in the uh, janakanandini bada sundar bhajan hai राम को देख करके जनक नंदिनी and king janak smiles he says see finally my test was right and the commoners they are saying what a cruel king what a test he has kept how can this sukumar sukomal ram can ever even lift this is <laughs> described so beautifully how can even he lift this bow so all experience the same ram they are all experiencing 
but the psychological state ultimately manas the six sense mind it adds something and determines it gives the final touch you have the painting the frame the mind comes and adds a little bindi and it becomes a tilak simply because it is added a little bindi that's the you know beauty of the mind how it adds and then he says that there is another kind of knowledge which exists in below the surface and when we explore the deeper depths we can become aware and then he gives the example of that is the subliminal self and that is the in hypnosis we can access it or in some people it may just be open and one can catch the thoughts of somebody else it's not something great in fact swami vivekananda said i can teach it in 3 days but that's not what we are here for to catch the thought of somebody how because subliminal is not limited by the surface mind and there are, i have seen two healers at least i have heard of one and seen one who could diagnose like that one which i have seen i can say one was bidanchandra roy in his name the there is the award also he had this uncanny sense of picking up something and he less like this one i know a cardiologist was sitting and i was an intern and one lady walks in before she can say anything he tells me ghosh dada he was and we find person he said alok take the stethoscope examine her chest i don't know she has not said a word so he said uh, this is a case of tuberculosis and before i could put it he said oh not send him for x send her for x ray x ray it is a case of tuberculosis so i asked him how did you know within a fraction of moment he observed things which normally we would miss and then i realized that patient was to be seen as a whole and not just as a physical body walking inside this is art so there is it in every sphere it applies when we develop this subliminal self opens and it tags to what is going on inside and it knows the inner state even in a ordinary life doesn't it happen that when we know each other very well so we don't have to wait for the other person to tell and that's what all the partners are expecting unfortunately all the time you don't understand me <laughs> you say something oh i have to tell you <laughs> basically that expectation is not wrong only <laughs> only <laughs> at times one can know at times one cannot know but how does one know it outwardly everything looks fine but yet there is a knowledge subliminal self this is still deeper knowledge they didn't stop with this and that knowledge comes by identity shobindo will develop all this in a later chapter so we'll not spend much time on that but knowledge by identity if somebody asks us sir do you exist i'll say full he'll say how do you know you exist i can't say i know i am a doctor <laughs> how do you know that i exist i am a body yes but i exist how does how do i know i exist body is changing from childhood till old age still i say me this sense of i comes from a sense of identity and this knowledge by identity is also shown in other ways suddenly we become angry and we say i am angry so when you go to a 
person and say, I get very angry. And if you ask the person, show me. How do you get angry? <laughs> it's not like that. But we identify with the vibration of anger and we become anger. So there, these levels of knowledge, reason completely bound to senses, reason detaching from senses, having the data of senses, seeing something behind, reason using the sense only as an excuse to look at the tree and suddenly it's no more a tree but Vasudev with his arms around and then superior to reason or the sub-psychological states through which we can come to know and then the deeper subliminal self and then finally the knowledge by identity. So these are the ways through which the Vedantic seers came to know the truth of things. And this knowledge by identity is what they called as intuition. Intuition is the first glimpse of knowledge by identity. So this is what Shobindo reveals to us through these pages. He speaks about hypnosis in which the subliminal mind is released and we can have access to data and possible to extend the senses. All these extension of faculties he speaks about. So we'll... Ah. Page 71, the one means we have left in our mentality is an extension of that form of knowledge by identity which gives us the awareness of our own existence. So this faculty we have to, how can we identify with somebody else? Mother is not recommended identifying through the subliminal, it's risky. But supposing one discovers within oneself the psychic being. Strangely, one can see the psychic being or the psychic essence more commonly in others. One can see the good in others because one has discovered that good in oneself. Then only it is possible. Otherwise, so in next page, intuitional knowledge, 72, intuitional knowledge is that which is common between them and the foundation of intuitional knowledge is conscious or effective identity between that which knows and that which is known. So intuition is simply like that. It is like a flash. It immediately connects us to that which is inside because intuition sees these two as not two different but as one unit in two different modes of experiencing life. So it gives us immediately a contact with the other person. That's why intuitive speech, intuitive understanding, it is the true understanding because it goes behind um, that's why it is said to go beyond the written word and the spoken word, scriptures, Sabda Brahmati Vartati. Why? Because you go behind just the word and their meanings and discover something which is hidden behind through a direct contact and intuition. So, <clears throat> and how intuition is the first teacher. Page 74. Intuition gives us, page 74 in the beginning, intuition gives us that idea of something behind and beyond all that. We know and seem to be which pursues man always in contradiction of his lower reason and all his normal experience and impels him to formulate that formless perception in the more positive ideas of God, immortality, heaven and the rest by which we strive to express it to the mind. For intuition is as strong as nature herself from whose very soul it has sprung and cares nothing for the contradictions of reasons 
or the denials of experience. So intuition has sprung, it, it's the soul of nature. That's why in lower creation, in the animal, it takes the form of instinct. We use the word instinct. But it is intuition operating in the animal world and the lower creation. It is intuitive knowledge which is operating, in the atoms it is operating. In human beings, we lose that intuition. We have to recover it very consciously. But we see in children, there is an intuitive knowledge of everything. As I was saying, from a scratch on the hand to everything, there is an intuition which is operating in life all through. But it is not tangible or not felt by us. We don't operate on the basis of intuition because we have lost it and its place, reason has come. And yet in human beings, reflex, it's an intuitive response. Spontaneous thinking from certain things. All this is a play of intuition which acts from behind. So this intuition we have to reclaim and then we discover ultimately that I am he and you two are that. So imagine what a nice way of greeting. I am he, you are also that. Such a nice way uh, of meeting and greeting. So, but because man has a reason. So intuition has a tendency in human beings. In animals there is no question asked. Animal is moved by intuition, it does not know intuition. It knows instinct and each creature is given that much which is necessary for it. But in man, because reason operates, intuition must be confirmed by reason. So that's why we see that the Vedic Rishi is discovered by intuition. And in the Vedanta, there was a need to confirm it by reason. So we had schools of thought. But this, before these schools of thought came, where reason ultimately became superior, the schools of thought were merely, reason was only used to confirm that intuition in everyday life. But the, ori the authority was always the Shruti. If the Vedic seers have said, that is the authority. And reason was used to confirm it in everyday life. So, Shubindo reminds us, like um, the other day we were saying already, page 75, we see this succession in the Upanishads and the subsequent Indian philosophy. The sages of the Veda and Vedanta relied entirely upon intuition and spiritual experience. Why? Because it was the typal age, age of pristine purity. They were very lucky not to have mobiles. So, you know, how do they communicate with each other? They went inside, you know. They communicated. They, how do they know about nature? They communicated with nature. And they discovered so many forces. How did they find herbs? I have often asked this question. They didn't have statistics like today. They didn't have means to analyze this plant, this tree. How did they discover that this herb helps? Which today we are confirming in whatever measure and to whatever degree. And there are some very interesting ones like, you know, uh, this uh, Riserpine and then Vincristine and quite a few drugs today. How did they discover it? How did they find? Because these means were not there. It was a typal age. Reason and its mechanisms had not developed. So they could sense it. And they could sense that this will help. And it helped. That's why grandmother's remedies still work. So this is how this age of intuition was there in the Vedic Rishis. Later on, in the age of Upanishads, reason began to develop. So we had to now rationally see things. So he says, 
the sages of the veda and upanishad relied entirely upon intuition and spiritual experience it is by an error that scholars sometimes speak of great debates or discussions in the upanishad wherever there is the appearance of a controversy it is not by discussion by dialectics or the use of logical reasoning that it proceeds but by a comparison of intuitions and experiences in which the less luminous gives place to the more luminous the narrower faultier or less essential to the more comprehensive more perfect more essential the question asked by one sage of another is what dost thou know not what dost thou think nor to what conclusion has thy reasoning arrived so we see that and so many examples one is the story where all the sages went to ashpati the raja the, the actual ashpati you know then so they went and asked six sages go and they say we want to know about that fire which none of us knows he smiles he says i know because those who have renounced the world they cannot know that fire that fire is only known when you engage with the world so there is a kind of knowledge which none of them knows so he gives them rest in his palace he is a king next day he calls them each of them he asks them what do you know so they say what they know so ashpati adds something to it and says this you don't know this will complete the picture very good second sage what do you know so he also reveals he says well this is what you don't know you add this it complete the picture this is how it it used to be or we see that prashnupishad where they all go to rishi pipalad six of them and they ask we have come to know something which you don't know they are also rishis and what does pipalad say wait tell me and starts debating disc no he says one year you live here practicing satya brahmacharya after one year i will see <laughs> and if you are capable of receiving the knowledge and if i am capable of answering then you may put your questions so just imagine what was the way so after one year they each ask their question and he answers the the upanishad of the six questions very interesting it's very a cryptic upanishad very beautiful but uh, questions are like that what is that being of 16 parts now you know now you start wondering what is it describing and it describes step by step so this this is how they found this profound truth but later on reason came in and took over it was required and then what happens toward the end he says the unity of the first intuitional this on page 76 toward the end the unity of the first intuitional knowledge was thus broken up now people wanted to have a totally a rational organized system so that intuitive knowledge was broken up and what was left in its place and the ingenuity of the logicians was always able to discover devices methods of interpretation standards of varying value by which inconvenient texts of the scripture could be practically annulled and an entire freedom acquired for their metaphysical speculation one such we know what happened with isha upanishad i think the first day we spoke about it but just to close on a little semi humorous note somebody once asked me which school of vedanta shrabindo belongs to i said he does not belong to the school he is the school master <laughs> so <laughs>
so <laughs> we want to fit everything into a category and often i see people have this conceived ideas preconceived notion and based on that they want to understand shurabindu shurabindu is a gentleman so he is taking all this pains to reveal to us step by step otherwise he could have said bachche jis school mein bhi pad rahe ho main uska principal reh chuka hu okay so we'll meet tomorrow and very fascinating chapter pure existent each chapter is fascinating pure existent and conscious force how this creation has come into being okay namaste thank you